Today's show is sponsored by Touched by Type 1 and the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Touched by Type 1 is an organization that has programs and services for those living with the daily reality of type 1 diabetes. They offer a supportive community and many, many interactive programs and creative resources that are designed to empower people to thrive with type 1. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. You can take one simple step to upgrade your diabetes care. This is going to be incredibly easy for you to do. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box to check out the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. This is the same meter that my daughter has been using for a while now, and it is absolutely the most accurate, easy to transport, easy to use, bright lighted, good test strip blood glucose meter that I've ever held in my hand. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. It's even possible that what you're paying for your meter and test strips right now through your insurance company, so subsidized by your insurance company, that could actually be more expensive than just the cash price of the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, and that in itself is worth checking into. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. There are links to the advertisers right there in the show notes of your podcast player, or they're available at juiceboxpodcast.com. But if you can just remember contournext.com forward slash juice box and touched by type one.org. Well, then you've got all you need. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 366 of the juice box podcast. This episode is just incredibly conversational. And so it's hard for me to even pick out something to say, oh, it's about this, because it's just a good conversation. There's a D-mom named Kelly, and she has a child with type 1 diabetes. It's just a good conversation, and I think you're going to really love it. So this is me and Kelly. Not my Kelly, different Kelly. Kelly's going to have a baby. At the time of this recording, she knew the sex of the baby, but hadn't told her husband. I think she tells me at the end what kind of a baby it's going to be. You know, there's only two kinds, right? You could have like a boy baby or a girl baby. They come out either or usually. Uh, And she'll tell you which one. And that's pretty much it. We'll have a really nice conversation about living with type 1 diabetes. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. There is still time to enter the big giveaway that is celebrating 2 million downloads of the Juicebox Podcast. Go to juiceboxpodcast.com at the top of the screen. I think something there says 2 millionth. You click on that. It's easy to enter. There's nothing for you to do. And you can enter once a day through the entirety of August 2020. Check out the gifts that I've been able to pull together for this extravaganza and see if you don't want to throw in your... uh, you know your info there and try to win. I don't keep your email address from this. Nothing. There's nothing that comes of this for me. You just, one of you is going to win the prizes. That's it. I'm just trying to celebrate. I'm very happy you guys share the show. I mean, 2 million downloads is uh, a heck of a lot of downloads for a type 1 diabetes podcast. So, my respect. Thank you very much. And I uh, hope you win. Good luck. All right, here's Kelly. I have to admit that I don't, remember why we said you were going to be on the podcast so this is perfect for me because honestly neither do i i think i just like i had started listening and was like 
oh, cool. You just talk to random people. Like, I'm a random person. Let's do this. I'm a random person. <laughs> yeah. But really, my biggest thing is, like, my daughter was 22 months at diagnosis. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we have that in common because, obviously, Arden was really little. But so close. Um, I hear from a lot of people online. They're like, oh, my God, I don't know how parents of toddlers do it. And it's like, well, you do because you don't have a choice. Yeah, because yeah, there's no receipt that allows you to take a child back to the store. I had a question. I know, obviously, like, I'm not Kevin Sayer or like someone super important. So this isn't going up like tomorrow, but do you have any idea how long it'll be before it airs? Did you enjoy the one yesterday with Megan? Did you hear that? I'm like halfway through it. Oh. I, I work from home all the time now, so I never have time to like drive anywhere and listen to it. Cause I just listen to my car. I recorded that one in April. Okay. <laughs> so it'll be a while. Well, and I only ask because I am six months pregnant right now, and okay. I know what we're having. My husband does not, so I don't want him to, like, find out on your podcast, but it sounds like I'll have had the baby before oh, this is great. Before anything happens. By the way, so. this is great. Oh, that that's wonderful. Yeah, I will not put it out before you have your baby. Um, okay. <laughs> but I am trying to do um, fewer – my wife would be so proud of me just now that I didn't say less – fewer um, recordings in the beginning of the, the year right here because I'm a little too far recorded ahead at this point. Like, I have to admit, when I put yeah. Megan's out yesterday, I thought – it should not be nine months, like to get to get her recording out. So I'm trying yeah. to, trying to use some. Up. But I mean, things come up though, like you know the Dexcom issue that happened over Thanksgiving. Like that's kind of something you need to put out there. Like, and it uses up a space. <laughs> Thank you for understanding, Kelly. I appreciate this. Also, yeah, totally. You're making me uncomfortable because women named Kelly are not that frequently nice to me. <laughs> so, um, I'm sure she loves you. She's stuck around. I mean, where is she going to go? The kids look like Or your me. podcast is finally making some money, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, I can't go now. The guy's finally bringing in a couple of bucks. Right. Um, no. Uh, so anyway, why don't we just do this? Everyone, this is Kelly. <laughs> we'll just keep talking. Um, Kelly's daughter. Tell me your daughter's name. Alexis. Was diagnosed when she was 22 months old. How old is she now? She turned three yesterday. Oh, so we're um a year, a little over a year, a year and two months. Yeah, a year and two months, exactly. And in the middle of figuring out diabetes, oh, I'm starting to feel like you didn't get pregnant on purpose with this baby. <laughs> Oddly enough, we were like about to start trying like the month that she was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And then obviously stress just did its thing and kept that away. Right. Um, but yeah, we kind of got a better handle on things and figured, yeah, we'll keep going with this. You. Very nice. But this is the last baby we're going to be having for sure. <laughs> the one that you, so you're six months pregnant now. The one you're pregnant with yes. right now is how many babies for you? Uh, it'll be baby two, two and final. Yes. I feel like two is a nice number. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it really, as, as last night Arden was, you know, doing her homework and I'm like, oh my gosh, if there was another kid still that was younger, like what would we do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I'm right now looking at her at nine 30 at night thinking, just go to bed. I don't care what grade you get. Just, <laughs> I, please. I'm tired. Like, like just, yeah. We're know. still a ways off from like dealing with school and stuff, but it is like, it's kind of nerve wracking, like purposefully bringing another child into the world after you already have a type one diagnosis, you know, like mm-hmm. It, I know a lot of people that have multiple children, but, you know, one or even two or three of them were diagnosed, like, later. Yeah. You've already got the kids, you know, but we're, like, <laughs> we had type 1 with our first kid, and now we're still consciously doing it again. Yeah, so that's, well, that's what I was going to say, is that you, you may, 
you 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 didn't get like I have six kids and now one of them has diabetes. You're like I have one. <laughs> no. We're going to make another one on purpose now. Yeah, yeah, and hope this one doesn't have type one. But you know, if it does, then we know what to do. I guess. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I I um I wonder if now that we're done joking around about how many children, uh, I wonder if <laughs> if I was the person I am today, if I was that person ten years ago, I wonder if we would have had a third child. Sometimes. So that person then couldn't have imagined um, being not completely dumbfounded 24 hours a day by diabetes. You know, I just just felt like I was going to be like that forever. Yeah. I go see my OB and she's like, oh, are you getting enough sleep? I'm like, well, I have a three-year-old who's diabetic. So no, I don't. But thanks. (laughs) And even if you just had a three-year-old, you probably wouldn't be getting enough sleep. Right. Exactly. So I hear you. Okay. So uh, listen. I just saw you put a photo of your daughter up in the Facebook group the other day, and yeah. she was just absolutely adorable. Um, Thank you. Was that for a birthday, or who were you celebrating? Yes, that was her third birthday yesterday. Okay. Oh, yesterday? Yeah. Very nice. This might be the episode title. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> how is it? Having a three-year-old with diabetes, what's her level of understanding of what's happening with her life day to day? Um, I don't know. Like, she doesn't know a difference because we've been at it a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. And this is just like, this is her. But she she understands, you know, when we say it's time for a sensor change for Dexcom or time for a sen- uh, sight change for her pump. You know, she, she has the anxiety around that because obviously I imagine the pump site change hurts so she doesn't love it but you know she understands she knows when we tell her like hey you got to sit still so we can dose you she'll stand still she'll let us do her thing with her pump and she doesn't you know she doesn't mess with it herself we have the t-slim so we keep it in a little fanny pack yeah so it just sits on her back all day and night and you know she just kind of leaves it alone so she doesn't pull at it i wonder if that's a boy to a girl thing Mm because i was just talking to somebody the other day it's like my son won't leave his stuff alone i was like i wonder if that's how i'm sure there's girls who don't like it either um yeah it's either that or just like like i said she was so little like we got dexcom about seven weeks after diagnosis so she's actually had that just about a full year at this point mm -hmm. and i mean at two years old you don't know a difference so i guess either yeah the kids are gonna pull at it because like this is not natural or it's just a part of them now (laughs) she just leaves it alone well, how 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 did you figure out that um that she had diabetes? Did you figure it out, or was she diagnosed through a no. doctor? How did it go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was the totally typical Google symptoms of everything. Um, you know, with the difference of a two year old's not going to tell you they feel dizzy or they don't feel good or a stomach hurts or something. Um, so you know, it was probably it. Well, it was. November 6th was when she was diagnosed. So we're like a week past Halloween. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was the first Halloween that she was like running around and actually trick or treating and getting to eat most of the candy and have fun with it and stuff. And um, looking back on photos now, I can tell she was super skinny. But you know, you don't see them losing weight right in front of your eyes when you see them every day. So she looking back she definitely looks sick but she seemed to feel fine and i'm thinking cool i got the only two-year-old in the world who's like 
eating anything and everything we put in front of her. Like we're doing something right. (laughs) But no, she was just starving. So yeah, she was eating a lot. Um, The biggest thing was like she would pee through her diapers, like even the overnight ones that are meant for like crazy thickness and stuff, like nothing was stopping that. She'd wake up in the middle of a two hour nap or the middle of the night and just yell for water, which, you know, we live in Arizona. It's hot here. I figure, okay, like she just is thirsty. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about it. So I didn't even think to Google the symptoms. Um, I took her to her pediatrician at one point thinking it was a UTI and the nurse practitioner, who I don't see anymore, <laughs> um, had asked briefly, does diabetes run in your family? Nothing else around that. And I'm like, no, that's a weird question. And that was it. Like, no finger poke, no further why she was asking that. Just that was it. Right. And um, they gave her some, I think, an antibiotic or something saying, well, I don't think it's a UTI, but if it is, this will clear it up. And a week later, She's doing the heavy breathing, like super lethargic, just not wanting to get out of bed, didn't eat anything that day. Took her to the babysitter anyways, because of course we all had to go to work. And then by like five o'clock that night, I'm I'm taking her to urgent care because something weird's going on. And yeah, I mean, after 10 minutes in urgent care, the doctor's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do all these tests to rule different things out. And of course she starts with a heel stick because I think she knew and just didn't want to freak me out, but get that number back. It was like 480 something, which I'm like, cool. High score. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> and she's things like, are turning well, around for us. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, it really shouldn't be over like 150 considering she hasn't eaten anything all day. I'm like, oh, okay. So after a couple of minutes of crying in the doctor's office at urgent care, she's like, okay, now you need to pull it together. And, uh, you need to take her straight to the children's hospital. Don't stop for anything. Just go. Like, we'll call ahead and let them know. And um, so, yeah, we took her in. And two days in the PICU and two days on the general floor, we're set home with our new life. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm just realizing something. Do you spell your name one way and pronounce it a different way? No. No? Do you know your Facebook say, f- page says, pronounces name Keely? Oh, really? Yeah. No, I had no idea. That's f- weird. Okay, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> I will do so. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, here's what I was thinking when it popped up in front of me. You're finishing up your story, and I'm just checking, because your, your kid really is adorable, so I'm going to, oh, to look at a picture of Alexis <laughs> right while you're talking, and um, and I'm looking over, and it says, pronounce his name Keely, and I was like, am I talking to a lunatic who spells their name Kelly and says Keely? And I should know that if I am. Definitely Kelly. That's how your wife spells it too, right? K-E-L-L-Y? Yeah, I believe there's like two ways to spell Kelly. Oh, there's multiples, believe me. There's Y and I-E, and I-E is crazy, all right? Yeah, I've seen just I too, which is kind of cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bedlam. Uh, Yes. But okay, so I just wanted to make sure you weren't nuts. And now that I... I'm more comfortable that you're not. Um, I want to know a little more about your experience being diagnosed because, and this is tough because, you know, I I think at this point the podcast is well listened to enough around the country and other places where if you say something off color about your children's hospital, they might hear it. So I I don't want you to do that. Um, But I've been to Arizona to talk. Yes, you have. Right. And 
I know the difference between people complaining to complain, like, you know, jumping on the internet to say something they don't like because they want to get it out. We're saying something when you bump into something and hearing very similar stories over and over again that seem like they have more than a grain of truth to them. Is there an issue with how you guys are assisted? Like what, or did you feel good about what you got from the hospital when you were leaving? And how was it proven out over the last year? Um, it's weird, I guess. Cause I mean, I, we really only have two children's hospitals here. Um, so you're going to one or the other. Mm-hmm. Most of the time you start by whatever's closest to you and then you continue with obviously what insurance covers. Okay. So it's not like we've had the opportunity to like go to different doctors or anything, but we love ours. Like we met him through and I believe you know him. He was on the panel with you, but right. we um we went to to the local children's hospital and I mean they were great. Like we walked in and Actually, I don't think they called ahead because she gave me a paper. Like, you know, you leave with the discharge paper from urgent care mm-hmm. and it said possible DKA on it, which I I don't know how I had the willpower, but I did not Google that on the way to the hospital. <laughs> You're like, and thank God I did because <laughs> it is terrifying. Um, but we walked in and, you know, we wait behind two or three other people who are there with their kid, you know, with the flu or something. It's mm-hmm. November, so flu season. And I walk to the front and we go to register and she's like, oh, you know, what are we doing for you? Like, oh, urgent care said to say possible DKA. And like, I swear, five nurses heads just like whipped around. They're like, how old is she? And I said, almost two. And they're like, oh, my God, that's too young. And I have never seen them move so fast. Like we cut every line. They they moved really quickly. So the hospital itself did a phenomenal job and, you know, explaining things as you go. Um, and then we didn't actually meet the endo until the next day. Cause by the time we got a room, it's like two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we met everyone and, you know, they're all great and they really do explain things as best as they can. And it's kind of frustrating now. Cause looking back a year later, you're like, well, why don't they tell you this? And it would make so much more sense if they explain it this way. But it's like you've said before, like they're giving you don't die rules. Right. They can't explain the ins and outs of this. And I think one of the nurses we talked to actually said it really well is that there, there's so much of it. That's an art. Like it's not just a science, which really drove my husband crazy at first. Cause he's like, well, no, it is a science. Like this is your blood sugar. This is how it gets there. But now we realize like, that's not true. (laughs) Yes, there's a science to it, but so much of it is your diabetes may vary. Like you have to learn what works for your kid. And, you know, just after listening to the podcast for a year and talking to people and being around others, we've learned, you know, oh yeah, elevation makes our kid drop. Some people, it makes them go high. Those are just things that the hospital can't tell you because they don't know. Yeah. So this week, this past weekend, I spoke at a, um, uh, a hospital around here in a mm-hmm. lovely group of people. And it's the second time I've been out to talk to them. So I felt this I felt a little bit of pressure. Like, I'm like, I'm back. There's going to be some doubling of people. And actually, it was nice. There were probably about 50 people there. And, you know, there was only maybe eight or 10 who had been there the year before. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like I was saying the same thing twice. And and anyone who knows me would know that I don't actually have the ability to repeat something. So (laughs) not that well thought out. Um, And so I, you know, I go in and do my thing. 
we started, uh, gosh, like three o'clock maybe. And I walked out and got in my car at 6.20. So I had spoken for three solid hours. And as I was leaving, I thought, oh, I should have said this. You know, and I really should have made this point a little, like, stronger. And and I, I just, as I was walking out of the building, I kept thinking of things. Like, oh, I wish I would have been more clear about this or made this point better or something. Or, oh, I hope they understand this. Because the truth is, I could have probably talked for another three hours and not mm-hmm. gotten out everything that, you know, in my heart I would want them to know as they were leaving. So yeah. I don't even know how a doctor in or anyone in 15 minutes would really put you on the path. I mean, without the, because they're trained the way they're trained and they come into practice and this is their life. They see you 15, 20 minutes, move on. You know, some people get a little more, my doctor's not as pushy. Like you, you'll sometimes just spend a half an hour in there and that's even dumb luck. You know, that if you get, if you're at a place that can go that long. And I think that, I think that, if they had the opportunity to speak long form over and over again, like the podcast is, then they'd be able to keep boiling down the things. That's why I feel like the podcast is valuable because there's sort of these big ideas smashed down into a couple of words. And then if you listen long enough, those words, they paint a larger picture in your head when you think of them, right? Like, you know, I was saying to the people the other day, I'm like, at some point the words like trust that what you know is going to happen will happen. It's going to mean so much to you. Um, yeah, but in this moment, as I say it to you, you're just like, wait, that's like sideways talk. Like there was this one woman; <laughs> she was delightful. I, I every time I say this phrase in public, I think someone's gonna laugh, and no one ever does. And this past weekend, a woman cracked up, and she made me laugh because I'll tell people as I'm beginning to talk about bumping and nudging and not letting blood sugars kind of get out of line too much. I say, listen, the truth is, if you don't get high, you won't get high which doesn't make any sense. You know, at first it's it's a way to like pull people's thoughts together and make sure everybody's focusing. And then I start talking about not letting blood sugars, you know, like don't let them run. You know what I mean? Keep them on a leash, stop them before they get started, whatever you want to think about. But she broke down laughing and I was like, I walked all the way out into the crowd door and I was like, I've been waiting years for someone to point out how ridiculous that is. Thank you. Um, but she's like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. I was like, oh, well, in a minute, let me tell a story, y- you know? And then I sort of built a, a narrative around it um, and then kind of brought it back to the idea again. But that's just, it's very difficult to do, you know, in a, yeah. in a quick setting. Um, but you feel good about it. You're, you like what, what the hospital's been teaching you at the pace they've been teaching you. Are you able to like see like what the division of labor is like how much have you gone out and learned on your own and brought back to the process what do you think the split is oh like most of it (laughs) we um like i mean like i said they they taught us the don't die rules we go home you know we're mdi initially they did actually bring up um the dexcom g6 when we were in the hospital so the nurse practitioner who is actually who we see more often we only see the endo like once a year yeah sure um And she had brought it up and was like, you know, here's some information about it. Look into it. See if your insurance covers it. Like, this is going to be amazing, especially for a kid this young. You know, you just you need to know what's happening. And I literally refused to go back to work after her diagnosis until we had Dexcom. (laughs) Like, I was not comfortable leaving her alone. I wanted to know what was going on at all times. Like, I 
I just couldn't do it. So we, I think about seven weeks later is when we got it. Um, and we had some actual issues initially too, because our insurance was hesitant to get us on the Dexcom because Dexcom specifically is like FDA approved for two years and up. And she wasn't two yet. Like, are you kidding me? We are seven weeks away from her birthday. Like, let's just do this. Mm -hmm. This is clearly a medical need, but eventually they come through and she turns to and we get it pretty quickly after that. So um, that part was good. I mean, I don't feel like we would have known about it otherwise because we didn't start getting involved in like the Internet community for a little while after that. I mean, we actually we joined some local um, type one parents groups while we were in the hospital, you know, there's always a case of, oh, someone knows someone and then gets you involved in the group. So that happened before we even went home. But other than that, that was just kind of like the overwhelmingness of everyone, you know, reaching out and, oh, here's the hugs and prayers. And, you know, if you have any questions, whatever. Um, But yeah, the hospital's been great. I mean, we, we actually had a hospital stay shortly after that, like right after we got to Dexcom, she ended up with the flu and strep throat in the same week. And I just, especially being MDI too, like I can only give this 25 pound kid half a unit, which is going to drop her like crazy. She's not eating anything because she feels like crap. Mm. So, you know, what am I going to do? So we ended up in the hospital. That was actually a longer hospital stay to get over the viruses than the initial diagnosis. So in two months, we spent almost two weeks in the hospital, which was super fun. But after that, I mean, knock on wood, we've been good the last year. You know, we've been managing other sicknesses and stuff. But obviously, the pump makes that a lot easier, too, when you can do these micro doses and stuff. A woman came up um, to me this weekend after the talk, and she was standing there with her daughter and saying, like, oh, this really made me feel more comfortable. I appreciate it. Um, And I have been wondering, and she started talking about, you know, her child was on a pump but not a, a glucose monitor. And they're trying to get one. Their insurance company is messing around with them. Said the kid's A1C was too good. But then you look at the kid's numbers, the kid's A1C is lower because she's having these crazy lows. You, you know, yeah. you're like, you know, you know, the insurance company knows that. They're just, I said, look, they're just putting you off. You got to keep going back. I'm like, the, you know, the CD will be able to help you get a letter to explain everything. You'll be able to get through it and get your, yeah. get your glucose monitor. But she was talking about it. And wow, it took me right back to when Arden was younger. Like the idea of like, you know, I put her to bed and I tested her and she was okay. And then I, you know, I, I wake myself up a couple times at night to test and it, it, just this lost feeling that you don't really know what's happening. Yeah. You think you know, you're rocking it and find out not so much. You're not. Yeah. Or you're yeah. having these, having these outcomes um, that are, they're ghosts, right? They don't, they're not really true. Um, yeah. I, and it's a way I talk about setting basal insulin a lot. I tell people, look. Until you get your basal right, nothing else you're seeing is real. Y- yeah. Y- you know, like you don't really know what your pre-bolus time is. You don't really know if your insulin to carb ratio is right or your action time is set up correctly. All these other things that you really need to understand about how the insulin works. Because if the basal's too strong, you may be bolusing, you know, y- your ratio might be off and be low, but it won't matter because you've got way too much basal. And, yeah. you know, these just these ghosts, you have to, first the baseline has to get set before you know what you're seeing. And she, she's like, she said, I don't know what to think. Like I test her and I see a number and I don't know what that means. You know, like, like it seems okay for the moment, but what does it mean after that? And yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't know. But you just took me into a, she put me right into a, 
a time machine and took me back to a time where I felt absolutely freaked out most of my life. You know what I mean? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine like some of you, you parents with the older kids who did it, you know, with a toddler without having a Dexcom or something like that. Like that is terrifying. <laughs> you just didn't sleep the first like five years of her life. I imagine. There's no sleeping. And there, it was all just sort of like, I'll put the insulin in here. We'll wait this amount of time. We'll check again. Normally she was too high. Then yeah. you were frozen in fear because you kept thinking like, well, she'll probably come back down. I did what the doctor told me. Um, and then you test again and she was, and then you realize you had to give her insulin. And now all of a sudden you were actually stacking insulin because yeah. you didn't know what the hell you were talking about, you know? And, um, it's just a very, it's a very blind way to do it. And it's not, not doable. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong about that. Like you could, you know, when I said to her, I was like, well, you know, you, the thing you can do in the meantime is just test like a lunatic to give yourself yeah. sort of this like hour to hour CGM graph. Just, I said, test every hour and make a dot on a graph. And then, you know, you can just sort of imagine where you were in between. If you're 85 at 7 a.m. and you're 110 at, you know, at 8 a.m., I don't think you went to 150 and came back to 110. Like there's probably somewhere in there is the path your blood sugar took. It's like you could probably yeah. cheat and give yourself a little bit of an idea. And she's like, maybe I'll try that. And, and I was like, that's a good idea. I'm like, I might say that on the podcast. <laughs> and then I just yeah. snuck it in here. So, um, <laughs> Kelly, I'm just like, here, I, just, I wonder how I can tell a story that'll put this, this thing in. No, that's mind. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our we were doing the whole, you know, talking to the CDEs daily, emailing the blood sugars daily, all of that. And then just like literally I got the Dexcom and very shortly after that, like probably within the same month um, is when we started listening to your podcast because we we started listening to it in January. So about two months in, we had just gotten Dexcom. And then I think you were here for the the Type 1 Nation Summit in mm-hmm. February. And like, honestly, you're the reason we went like because I'm like, oh, hey, that's that guy I listened to on the podcast. We should go. Got my husband to listen to a couple episodes. And oddly enough, like he actually grasped everything so much faster than I did. Like he's just a very analytical person mm-hmm. and everything that you said made sense. Whereas I was like, well, yeah, but the doctor said this and he's like, but it's not working. So and he's able to just listening? walk past it after he said that. Yeah. yeah. And I think it is like you've said before, I think people just, we grew up our whole lives and it's, Oh, well follow the doctor's orders. But this is not a disease that can be managed only by following doctor's orders. Like obviously they have your best interest at heart, but at the end of the day, yeah, you're seeing them maybe an hour every year. Like they're not living with you. Mm -hmm. So, and our CDEs were great. And our nurse practitioner, the endo, they're amazing. Like they let us do our thing. Um, They basically told us from our very first visit, we dropped her A1C like significantly from diagnosis to the first three month appointment. They're like, wow, you guys really seem to have a handle on this. And we did tell them about the podcast and like, yeah, this is how it's kind of presented and it makes sense. They're like, well, cool. Keep doing what you're doing. If you have questions, you know, reach out. So even now, you know, we had an endo appointment in November and got her A1C back and it had gone up a little from where it was, but still in a good range. And she's like, yeah, you know, maybe these are some of the changes I'd make. These are the most recent graphs I'm seeing on the pump that's, you know, showing something off we'll try this. And then she's like, Hey, Fiasp was just, um, just approved for pump use. You Mm -hmm. know, is that something you guys would be interested in? Like, yeah, sure. We'll be the Guinea pigs. So 
you know, they've used it with other pediatrics, but not someone as young as her. Okay. And they're just like, well, you guys have a good grasp on it. So if you want to try it, you know, I trust that you guys, you know, know what you're doing and we'll stop it if need be and go back to Humalog or whatever. So that's working out. You know, it's just the whole thing is it, it's a lot. But once you kind of know what you're doing, which is weird to say because people ask like, oh, you know, how's that diabetes thing going? You have it under control? I love it. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like there is no control, but she's alive and well, and we're not pulling our hair out every day. So like you lost yeah, your some dog. days are better than others. Isn't it, isn't it like you lost your dog? They're like, Kelly, did you find your dog? Like, yeah, we found it. Great. Oh, that's great. And that's the end of yeah. like They want there to be a finite answer to what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, this is something I'm going to stress about every day of my life. But it, it is what it is. It'll so get better. <laughs> you move you, on. You won't, though. I know it feels like that now, but you really won't. It. Yeah, it, I'm know. just terrified for the um, the puberty years. Because that's the only thing that I see online that people are like, oh, the only thing worse than dealing with a toddler with type 1 is dealing with a hormonal teenager with well, type here, 1. Let me see if this makes you feel better, Okay. So I'm just jumping back here to 3 a.m. So it is noon here right now. Arden's blood mm-hmm. sugar at 3 a.m. was 110. Uh, at 4 a.m. it was 89. At 5 a.m. it was 79. At 6 a.m. it was 70. At 7 a.m. it was 76. And 71, then at 930, 97, 10, 81, 84, and it's 91 right now. So, awesome. and Arden, <laughs> I love, I know one day she's going to like, I'll be dead, right? But she'll go back and listen to this podcast. She's going to be like, you know, I think the thing my father talked about the most on that podcast was my period. And right now Arden has her period. <laughs> so, um, it's not not doable. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, it, it just really is it's an abstract idea with a concrete answer, which is your body has a need. You fill the need. You know, it needs yeah. a certain amount of insulin. You put that insulin in. And, well, it's um, not being afraid of doing it. Like, you know it needs to be done, so just pull the trigger and do it. Yeah. Like, the other day we had a, um, a site issue which we rarely get with the sites that we use because it's one of those like the 90 degree metal ones. Mm -hmm. Like it looks like a thumbtack, but they really don't have site issues because there is no cannula or anything like that. Um, But I think it was a case of like the the adhesive had kind of pulled up a little and I just don't think the needle was in far enough. Mm -hmm. And she's going up, going up. She had eaten. So I'm like, okay, this is kind of a strange high, but whatever. She hits high on Dexcom and I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And I told my husband, he's like, well, pull the site, give her an injection. But I had just pushed like two units into her pump. I'm like, well, I don't know how much of that she got. Like, I'm scared to give her another whole unit via injection. And he's like, so what? Do it and we'll have a juice box. Like, we need to do this. I like and your sure enough, we, that's, that's what yeah, I was going to no, say. Yeah, no, he's great at doing this stuff. And he's just like, you know, it needs to get done. So we give her the injection, which she hates. I mean, we come at her with a syringe now and she's been on a pump so long. She's like, get that thing away from me. But, you know, she gets the shot and within 10 minutes, she's back down, you know, 380, 200. Like we were having 60 point drops in five minutes. I'm like, oh crap, maybe we should get some juice going now. And yeah, we actually, we nailed it. She had like half a juice box and I think a couple pieces of fruit snacks or something. And um, 
like she rounded out at 97 within 30 minutes. Like it was insane right. how quickly it worked. <laughs> well, so by the way, Ar- Arden just texted me and she's like, it's lunchtime. And I said, are you hungry? And she said, not really. My stomach hurts. And I said, okay. Oh. I said, okay, well, let's, so I'm, I'm thinking about her lunch, right? There's stuff in there. She's not going to eat if she's not feeling well, but there's two chocolate chip cookies in there and there's a bagel and popcorn and all the carbs, <laughs> grapes and cherries today. Um, I teased her the other day. I was like, mom bought you cherries out of season. I don't love you enough for that. They're very expensive out of season. I would not have bought them for <laughs> Seriously, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was like, she obviously either A, does not care about our money, or B, <laughs> really loves you more than I do, because I would not have done that. And um, and so I'm joking with her. So she got in that. So what I just told her was, look, let's just do 40 carbs for now, right? Because there's... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at what she said. Uh she 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 came from um, gym and she's like I just did yoga and that did not help how my stomach felt. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So so I I said like look let's just do there's probably eighty or carbs in that lunch now my expectation by the way is that she'll never eat the whole thing like Arden's not a lunch finisher completely like I send her way more food people are probably like wow that kid eats all that food. I send her more food than she's going to eat. I don't expect her to eat the entire half of the bagel. I don't expect her yeah. to eat all of the grapes. Like, you know, I just, I have this amount of insulin in my head that she generally needs. Um, yeah. And she has options too. Yeah. Right. Right. And then she can kind of eat what she wants and it's not too bad. Uh, so basically we're going to just cover 40 carbs, which in my mind is the two chocolate chip cookies, some of the grapes, a couple of the cherries, and maybe a bite or two of the bagel. And then, so I just said to her, I'm like, look, just, you know, let's do 40 carbs right now. And then send me a text and tell me what you eat. And if it ends up being more, we'll do more. And if she gets a little high over that, whatever, you know, it's, you know, going to try to stay fluid with it and everything like that. But I'm not going to roll through and be like, do 80 carbs and, you know, and then have her come back and say, I didn't eat anything. Plus, I know, (laughs) you know, plus yesterday, I remember what I took out of her lunch bag at the end of the day that she didn't eat. So kind of doing the math on that in my head. And this seems like a, a nice center place. Plus she might start eating and feel better because now I'm yeah. looking, it says that the yoga was painful for everyone, not just her. So this might not be about her period. This might be about a bunch of uh, out of shape girls who just did downward dog for the first time in their life. I don't know. <laughs> um, a bunch of Netflix girls. That's, that's, yeah. that's what they are. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, that's how we're going to do this. And she'll, you know, she'll text me in a little while and say, I didn't eat as much or this is what I ate. And we'll just adjust off of that. Yeah. But with a little kid, it is a little different, isn't it? You know, d- yeah. h- how is she with eating? Does, does Alexis finish what you give her? Um, No. I mean, sometimes it, it depends. Like we've gotten a lot better about not letting her snack as much so that when it is mealtime, she's actually hungry enough to eat it. Mm-hmm. And that's made... Uh, dosing a lot easier because I mean the hardest part is just when they're constantly grazing and I'm like I can't do that I can't have you do what some of your friends are doing and just have you know goldfish crackers here and then a cookie here and then oh you want milk and and all this and that and that's what most three-year-olds do and it's hard because you want her to be normal but I also need some consistency too so she's she's good with food most of the time you know if she says she wants something 
I'll pre-bolus for it, but we're not doing like a 20 or 30 minute pre-bolus either. Like we'll basically dose for it, give it to her. She eats, but then she'll take, you know, 30 minutes to eat a fig bar or something anyways. And it's something that's going to take a few minutes to hit her. So she's still kind of getting that same pre-bolus. And um, that's what Fiasp has actually been really good for is it doesn't seem to need quite as much of a pre-bolus to start working. Mm -hmm. So that's been helpful. But I have noticed, and I've seen other parents say this online too, is that once you get to a higher point, though, it takes more to bring you down. So it's almost like the insulin resistance hits harder. But like you said, if you can avoid getting high in the first place, then it's better. So, you know, we have some really good days where I'll look back at the 12 hour graph and be like, wow, did she even eat today? Because that's like a really straight line. Mm -hmm. And then other days I'm like, oh, she's just up and down, up and down. But her ups are still she might hit 180 and come right back down. But at that, it's like, well, I can't just keep pushing insulin in either because then I'm just going to be chasing it with a juice box and then she's going to constantly be on the roller coaster. So some of it is hard because you have to have the patience to wait and see what's going to happen. But a lot of it is, yeah, you know, either we mistimed it or didn't give her enough to begin with, which is mostly because we don't know exactly what she's going to eat. Okay. I have two questions based off of what you just said. My first one is about grazing. Like, What do you just want you to kind of put into like more specific language what you find difficult about the grazing eating? Um, just because when she does graze, it's usually higher carb things, you know, the goldfish and animal crackers and things like that, that aren't necessarily going to hit right away. Mm-hmm. And we, with having the T-Slim, we do the, um, the basal IQ. Like that's literally the whole reason we went with that pump. Okay. And it's fantastic. Mo- most of the time, but it is hard, especially like with things like pizza. I just listened to one of the episodes you did with Jenny where she was talking about how she bolus for, for pizza. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that sounds fantastic. If only it worked that way for us. Cause it, we literally cannot dose her for pizza. She will eat it. She loves pizza. That's her favorite food, which of course, God help me with that. Cause it's, it's a nightmare, okay. but she will eat a piece of pizza and we found the typical kind of version of 30 grams for a slice actually works really well for us, mm-hmm. but we cannot dose her for it for about two hours because even doing a temp basil on it or something or an extended bolus, it's too much in the beginning, it's too much. And then it ends up shutting off when basil IQ sees she's going down, it'll shut off. And then of course, one of us will forget to turn it back on and dose her. And then she ends up high for hours and it's just constantly pushing to get her down. Yeah. So we found it's easier if, if that's all she's eating. So usually if we give her pizza, we try to give her either like a sugar free juice or water or something like that. That's not going to immediately affect her. Mm-hmm. We'll give her a piece of pizza and then we just, we'll I'll set an alarm on my phone for an hour later and I'll check Dexcom and be like, okay, has she started trending up yet? And if she has, then I'll put in and do the extended bolus. Cause if we do it too soon, it just shuts off and then we're screwed the rest of the day. <laughs> but usually it, it's been working out better to do it that way. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the same thing with grazing is if she's eating these carb heavy snacks, then it's like, well, do we just do a temp basil to kind of blanket cover all of it right now? And sometimes that does work, but if she's eating something that may not hit her for an hour, then the same issue, the temp basil is going to bring her down. It's going to turn off. We're going to have to give her a juice box to bring her back up just in time for those heavy carbs to hit her. And then we're dealing with highs again. Okay. Can you, 
So trying to think of when this is going to air. <laughs> um, I'm getting good at looping. So, um, so there's, there's ways to trick it and, you know, into, I saw somebody wrote an article recently and uh, they said, you know, these algorithms are best if you leave them alone and let them do their thing. But I don't, and you're like, yeah, right. I'm like, I don't agree (laughs) with that completely. You you know, like I, I get what they're saying, but there's also a way to jump in and out of it, out of the algorithm without it messing things up in the future. You just sort of have to yeah. be like thoughtful about it a little bit. Um, and I find that if the algorithm lets her get past like 150, then I have to, I have to shut the algorithm off. And then, yeah. and then I, I come in and I handle it the way I would handle it without, without that, you know, I'm aggressive with it and I, and I push it back down very quickly again. And then as she gets to about, 140 130 diagonal down situation i let the algorithm take back over again because there's i have so much the the idea is that i have so much insulin going in that moment that when the algorithm tries to take away the basil for the next hour it it won't matter like so i've got my 140 diagonal down which i want to be 80 again it's going to see the 140 diagonal down and be like, take all the basil. And I'm like, "Ah, I tricked you. I already have insulin in there to cover that basil. So I'm learning how to like stop an arrow up by shutting the algorithm off. I'm also learning how to stop them from happening ever by balancing um, absorption times with carb. And that's what I wanted to ask you about the basal IQ. Does it do that? Can you tell it? um, I don't know. This is a meal that has 50 carbs in it, but I believe that 20 of these carbs are going to impact greatly over the first two hours. I think 20 of these carbs are really impact over three hours. And I think 10 of them are going to impact over four hours. Can you split the, the dose up like that when you tell it or does it not? Allow not that? really. I mean, you basically have to do it in your head and then tell the pump what to do. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of do that on our own anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, she likes these, like for her breakfast, nine times out of 10, she wakes up and says chocolate milk and bar, which is like these chocolate protein shakes from Costco that she's obsessed with. Those will raise her immediately. Mm -hmm. And then she likes these like fig Newton bars and she'll eat one of those and combined it's like 38 carbs. So we'll put that in. um, But I'll usually do an extended on that because I know the chocolate milk's going to hit her right away. And she drinks that real quick, like Mm -hmm. within five or 10 minutes. But the bar, she kind of takes her time eating, and it takes a while to hit her. So I can usually do like, okay, well, we'll say 50% up front because they're both roughly 20 carbs. So 50% up front for the chocolate milk, finish that, and then the other 50% over an hour. And then if, you know, she starts going up faster than I anticipated or whatever, we'll throw on either a temp basil or just stop it all together and just give her the rest of the bolus. And that seems to work pretty well, too. It just... Some of those things, you know, she, we're used to dealing with um, on the daily. And she usually wakes up in a good range. Like, our overnights are pretty fantastic. So yeah. that's why I feel like her basil's right. It just, as soon as she eats something, it screws it up. Because I never know. Is she going to drink all this? Is she not? So that's why I've started doing the the extended on some of those meals, too. Is yeah. It's just easier. At least then we can take it away if she doesn't actually eat it. Right. And we talked about this this weekend too. And I, I said, um, that's one option. What you just said, you know, to create an extended bolus and take some away. Yeah. If they don't finish it. I also am a fan of for small kids, 
pre-bolusing an amount that you can be certain they're going to eat, even if it's only a few yeah. carbs. And then maybe it, 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 it stinks a little bit. But while they're eating, maybe you make two or three small boluses throughout the food. We're like, all right, 10 more carbs definitely just went in. Yeah. And, you know, like that kind of thing. And that way you get enough of a pre-bolus to stop a spike and hopefully you can get the rest of it in there and get it active before the food has a chance to take over too much. Yeah. And that is a lot easier when you're on a pump because you don't feel like, oh, crap, I have to give them another shot for this. Like when we were MDI and we started listening to the podcast before we had the pump, it was ridiculous because she was getting probably 12 to 15 shots a day for a two year old. But it was working, right? Um, yeah, I mean, still not as well as it is now, obviously, because again, the best we could do was half a unit. So, you know, we give her half a unit, but then we'd have to give her juice because we know that's going to bring her too low. But also our idea of highs and lows have changed in the last year as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I mean, we did your trick with like, oh, lower your alarm. So you react sooner and all that. So right now my alarm like overnight for her is set at 65 because she doesn't ever just drop at night. If anything, it's a slow decline. So she'll hit 65. I'll wake up when sugar mate calls me and then go up, give her a sip or two of juice and she'll coast and ride it out the rest of the night, which is perfect. Okay. Um, but then during the day I have it at 70 because if she's falling, which is something you should bring up to Dexcom. And I know other people have said this with the follow app, it would be amazing if we had the same, notification of the double arrow down and the double arrow up because I don't get a notification until she's at whatever arbitrary number I've put in there. Mm -hmm. But if she's falling, even if she's at 200, I still want to know if she's falling real fast because can we catch it maybe before it hits a low? Yeah. yeah, And you know, that would be great. I mean, it works if we're home with her because we just hear it on her phone anyway and can do something about it. But if she's with a babysitter or something, it's, you know, hopefully she catches it and does something with it too. But yeah, I mean, during the day we've now got our high alarm set at 150 because we found if we, if she hits 150 and same thing, she's just kind of cruising there. I'll just do a temp basil to slowly bring it down. But if she's cruising closer to 200, I'm just going to jump ahead, call it 200, do a correction and bring her back down because mm-hmm. we obviously mistimed or miscalculated something at that point, And then she's good. But we, um, before, I mean, we were having a high alarm set at 300 because we basically had to have her at 300 before we gave her even half a unit for a correction yeah. or just drop her too hard. Well, that's all going to get more, um, as she gets bigger, <laughs> she gets bigger. Yeah. 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 You got to just fatten her up and get her to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, can you get taller yeah. and gain weight, please? Uh, yeah. I mean, she's like 40 pounds now, just about, and it, it's already getting easier to do that too. Mm-hmm. But again, the pump is just so much easier with that because you can manipulate the basil to do what you need it to do. Yeah. So I do a lot of temp basils um, just to help kind of round it out because I do feel like that gives it a better rolling graph as opposed to just the crazy spikes and stuff, the mm-hmm. ups and downs. But then um, I think you've seen both my husband and I and now my mom have all worn a Dexcom for 10 days. Okay, And so that brings so much more clarity and understanding to the parent, I think it should honestly be required that every parent wear a CGM. Tell me what it is for you. You you just have no idea. Like I'm sure everybody's tested their blood sugar before and you're like, oh cool, 95, 110, whatever. Like that static number doesn't tell you anything, you know? 
So when we wore it, it was great because I actually found my numbers tend to be a little higher than my husband's. So I'm probably on the way to pre-diabetes at some point in the next 10, 15 years. Um, But it just, you know, it shows you, I think I had a bowl of cereal at one point, like Cheerios. It wasn't even anything crazy. And my blood sugar rose to like 165 and sat there for four hours. And I'm just watching my Dexcom and I'm like, I would have dosed her for this two hours ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> can I get some insulin here? What is happening? Well, but you just realize now some of those highs you're not always going to avoid. Like, it's natural to have that happen. Whereas I think people people look at a 65 blood sugar and they freak out and oh my god, she's so low. She's not. My husband rode at 65 all night long one night and that he didn't feel any different. He went to bed, had a great night's sleep, woke up and was fine. Like yeah. that's just his normal. So a couple things. First of all, there are plenty of people right now who know this that are just like, I hope he tells her Cheerios, even though they don't look all sugary and they're not, they don't have a picture of like a chocolate count on the front of them. They hit really hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cheerios are tough. Um, any cereal does yeah, for yeah. her. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, like there'd be a, in your mind, there'd be a way to think, well, they're not frosted or they don't have, yeah. Like, but Cheerios are they're tough. healthy. Yeah. No, they're, yeah, they're healthy. They they still hit your blood sugar hard. The oh, other yeah. the other idea is is about the you know your your husband with the sixty five. I mean, I'm not a doctor, right? But <laughs> I I I I can agree with you. Y- you know, like I I saw today where or I put a new graph up in my talk, and I was I was showing people kind of like what what it looks like when things go wrong and how I. So the so the, the the crux of this one slide is listen, everything's not always going to go okay, but here's how I I maintained my concepts throughout. Like you know, so we got a got a meal started without a good pre bowl. She got high. We corrected. The correction was just way too much. And here's how I shut basil off and added juice. But as you can see, she got down lower than I wanted. And you can on this graph, you can see she hits sixty five, and she stays mm-hmm. there for 15 or 20 minutes until she kind of rises back up. My point in that part of the graph is, so look, you see here, I'm not panicking. I've got the food in. I've taken the basil away. I'm trusting that what's about to happen is going to happen. You know, I'm not Mm -hmm. overloading her with carbs. But as I look out into the group, all they can see is the red where the dots are. And they're just like, it's red. It's red. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but she's just, it's 65 Plus, she's got the food. I think if I would have finger stuck her there, she probably would have been a couple points higher anyway. I mean, and just think of how ridiculous that is. If she was 70, it wouldn't have been red, and they would have been completely comfortable with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It really is a visual thing. Yeah. And, I mean, again, like, keeping steady at 65 is very different than two arrows down at 65. Like, we get two arrows down at 120, and we're like, crap, we messed up. Like, where's the juice? Where's the candy? Something. Yeah. And we'll get it back up. But yeah, to be steady at 65, 70, like that's a perfect night. And that's where you're going to get the good A1Cs and less of a roller coaster. I feel like the next day, even. I think if we can have a steady night, it helps lead into a better day. Yep. It seems the days that are crazy are the ones where we had crazy highs overnight because she had like pizza late at night or something or caffeine or something. And then, yeah, the whole next day is just screwed up too. Well, well, to finish that idea, the rest of that graph is to show them like, look, now we, we got through this. Now it's lunchtime. And (laughs) not only did I still do exactly what I normally would have done with that meal, but I added some basil and they said, why? Like her blood sugar was good. I'm like, no, but back here I took it away for a while. 
Yeah. And then I started talking about, you know, I'm like, basil's, you know, everything you do with insulin is not for now, it's for later. You know, every decision you make with insulin right now affects later. It's not really affecting yeah. now as much. So I'm like, so I've basically, by taking her basil away in that 10, 11 o'clock hour, I've created what's going to be a black hole of basal insulin an hour or so in the future. And I was like, so I'm going to need extra power there to overcome it. So I put in enough insulin to overcome the food. I put in her regular basil and I put in some extra basil to just sort of try to keep on top of things. And you can see her blood sugar, by the way, cruises out of this graph at 110. It's really cool. Excuse me, but it's not, no one would think like that. Yeah. And, and then just this morning, someone reached out to me online and was like, hey, my daughter's blood sugar got really high this morning out of nowhere. And just talking about like what happened there. And I'm like, no, what happened before? And it turned out the kid was low overnight and she had taken basil away for a while. And I was like, yeah, so there's one of those moments where you're creating a problem hours from now. Like it's yeah. fixing your problem right now, right? You're taking all the basil away and it's keeping this low blood sugar from getting any lower. But when it starts to pop back up, you basically have to look back at that basil and go, how much did I take away? I need almost all of that back now. In, yeah. In this so moment. We actually did that the other day. She like her birthday was yesterday. We did her birthday party on Sunday. And this was the first time we've had a bounce house for her. Mm -hmm. So we got, you know, 15 kids in the backyard going crazy in this bounce house. I had originally thought like, oh, I should have some sugar-free drinks like set aside for her so she can drink whatever. Are you kidding me? Like we're giving her juice, like everything, <laughs> all of the carbs so that she can continue jumping. And she had an amazing graph during the day. And we had actually gotten to the point where we just straight up took her pump off. Um, which is another thing that we actually like about T-Slim is it doesn't have to be on her 24-7. Like, we can take it away. She can have a bath or do whatever. But we took it off and just let her go and play and be a kid. And um, we actually experienced that. Like, she had great blood sugar control during the day because the jumping was, of course, keeping her low. We gave mm. her all the juice and stuff. And then once she took a nap, everybody leaves. And then it starts creeping up, creeping up. And we had like a couple hours of a low high, but just having to start pushing that basil back in because, yeah, she'd been without it for a few hours. When you took the pump off. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear people like it, it is very true that everybody's different and that there are going to be things that excite one person about something or the other. Because I feel this like you just said something you feel very strongly about. And, I, and I'm not negating it. We like the T-Slim because we can take it off. And yeah. I like the Omnipod because it doesn't come off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because right? I don't and want I feel it to like come I'll off. be in that position yeah. when she's older and doing sports and stuff. But honestly, right now, too, it's just it's so big on her little body, like 40 pounds and like little stick arms. And she is tall for her age. So mm -hmm. it's just I don't think it would work. But I do really want to try it at one point. Um, and I think, you know, as technology gets better and stuff, we're going to be switching around anyways. Like, I'm not. 100% tied to anything. Like yeah. if, if someone's going to come out with better product, guess what? That's where we're going because she's three. We're going to be dealing with this as parents right. for at least another, what, 23 years yeah. while she's on our insurance. Don't, and then from there. Don't switch you know. for the sake of switching. But when something's better, it's better. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've been in a room before with Omnipod. I'm like, keep innovating because yeah. I, I like you guys. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, I'm really know. excited for like Control IQ just got FDA approval. I have no idea whether she's actually eligible based on her age or not, but mm -hmm. I'm like 
our endo's great, and I'm sure he'll push for it too if he thinks it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Maybe one of those, like, let's give it six months and see if there's any bugs that need to be worked out before we try it on a three-year-old. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love the the technology, and I, I feel for these newer parents too because they are kind of scared, I think, sometimes because they are so reliant on it. But, you know, we'll do during the Dexcom two-hour warm-up Depending on what she's doing, I may finger poke her once, maybe twice during that time period just to make sure that what I think is supposed to happen is actually what's happening. Of course. But for the most part, yeah, like that's fine. Um, I will say, I think that one of the biggest things, it's funny, my brother just moved back to town. Um, him and his wife were living overseas for the last two years. And um, they're in town now and they're like, yeah, we're here. We want to learn how to take care of her. You know, where do we start? I'm like, um, I feel like if you had asked me that a year ago, I would have given you, you know, all the rules that the doctor gave us. Now the hardest part is just so much of it does require that forethought. Like you were talking about, you have to know what's going to happen a few hours from now, as far as what to do with the insulin. Our babysitters rocked it with that. And my mom, who's the other babysitter, my mom and dad, they rock it. But other than that, like you can't explain to someone how you do what you do when you just do it. <laughs> yeah. like, does that make sense? Like I can't explain why I decide at this point, Oh, maybe I'll give her a little snack or something or why I'm deciding to do a temp basil instead of a correction. It just, it's what I do. Like you live with it day in and day out. You just do it and hope it works. And if it doesn't work, you bank it for later. But that's something that's so incredibly hard to explain to someone. Right especially when it's someone who wants to be able to watch your child. So I almost feel like now the biggest thing we can teach someone is these are, this is what a low is. This is what needs to happen if it's an emergency low situation. Mm -hmm. So I have friends I've been able to leave her with, you know, they live five minutes away. I've like left her and then run home to do something or whatever. She's been there for like an hour. And of course, like I have Dexcom so I can follow her on my phone and I can call them if I see something going weird but for the most part like i just need you to know what to do in an emergency is really the biggest well, thing because otherwise i'll just tell you what to do <laughs> i'm super glad that you know what to do i'm even more happy that you don't know how to explain it because it's one less person who's going to decide to try to make a podcast one day <laughs> um yeah. but but i do you are you at the point yet where you can do it remotely like that no. like in your head can you can you do it without being there yet what that, do you mean like like, like what tell someone mean? what to do like, for her? Yeah, like I haven't been with Arden for the last six hours. But if she completely lost her ability to be to do anything, I could tell people right now what to do remotely. And I haven't been with her. I haven't seen what she's done. Like, oh, I can yeah. just tell by the graph and how things have been going, like what to do. Can you it's almost like yeah. um it's almost like being like a, an IT person. Like like explaining how to get through someone's computer without seeing their computer like i feel like that with diabetes like i can i can get you through this program without being there i think so yeah Yeah. like her her babysitter just texted me like half an hour ago and was like hey she hasn't eaten anything since you dropped her off but she's starting to get high did you want me to do a correction or a temp basil and i was like knowing that information let's do this right um sometimes i'll see that she's high and i'll text whoever has her and be like um did she just eat something or was that out of nowhere Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, she just ate, but I didn't dose her enough or whatever. So generally, as long as I know why whatever happened happened, then it makes sense. But, 
yeah, I mean, I can use look at it and be like, oh, she must have eaten here or something. Except on those beautiful days where there is no spike, then it's like, wow, did she actually eat today? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> That's very cool. So listen, um, I'm thrilled for you because you've obviously come a long way in a year. I'm a little disappointed that you didn't tell the people in your life who wanted to learn about diabetes to listen to the podcast. And other than that, I'm feeling good about what we talked about today. <laughs> Ooh, and Arden well, just I have actually. My dad has started listening to the podcast. Oh. Well, and now he, I'm okay then. He's hoping he'll be caught up before my episode actually airs. Um, but yeah, he's, he's learned a lot too. And he's kind of caught on the same way my husband did as like, Oh, well, yeah, this is what you told us originally. But now that you've been listening, this makes sense. So he listens usually an episode a day because he rides his bike to work. Um, my mom's just not really a podcast person, but she does really well too. Just kind of guessing on carb counts and, you know, same thing if it's not enough or too much or whatever. And our babysitter is amazing. Like, it sucks because we really only have a couple people that I really trust to watch her for yeah. long periods of time. But, you know, it's really no different than people who don't have family that live close by. Like mm -hmm. you have one or two solid babysitters and then you just take your kid with you everywhere. Otherwise. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, listen, I, I just heard back from Arden about her lunch. Um, two things. Um, I don't care if your mom's not a podcast person or not. That's not an excuse not to listen to a podcast. <laughs> and um, Arden's blood sugar is 90 right now. And she told me she ate everything except for the half of the bagel. So we just did 20 oh, nice. more carbs. So basically, we ended up doing, I thought it was 80 in the bag total. I'm guessing. I don't know how many grapes there were. I don't know how many. Basically, when I put the bag of grapes and cherries in, I thought to myself, eh, 20. And uh, then I put in the two cookies. And I don't remember. I didn't look at the carbs. But I remember thinking, eh, 15. So like, there's 35, I guess. Um she didn't eat the bagels, so the bagel's out. The popcorn is like another 15, maybe, so 50. And then I'm in that, of course, weird space where I don't remember the other thing I put in there. Oh, I gave her two little pieces of chocolate because I'm a boy, and that's like the most I know about periods. So I figured she'd, <laughs> she'd want chocolate, so I put like a couple little Dove chocolate hearts in there. And I don't remember what else. There must have been something else that I'm not thinking of right now. So we'll just do that. And then if in the next 30 minutes I see any indication that our blood sugar is trying to run, we'll just yank on the leash and pull it back before it gets away from us. Do you find, though, that those things are going to hit her differently? Because, like, everything you mentioned, I'm like, oh, okay, cookies would hit her later. Chocolate would hit her later. Cherries and grapes, those are going to hit her immediately, like, just with the complex versus simple carbs. So, or is she pretty yeah. leveled out at this well, point? Well, no, but, yeah, but at the same time, if you think back to when we did this, it's been 30 minutes, 35 minutes since the first insulin went in. So that's oh, in there yeah. now. It's active. So I'm basically creating an extended bolus right now by doing this. Yeah. You, you so know that's what I mean? helping with the yeah. faster stuff. There's, there's, I'm trying to think, 9, 18, 36. Probably like four. Actually, the first bolus was five units. Five? No. Yeah, five. And this next one's two and a half. So, yeah. you know, that'll be, it, so it's basically like pre-bolusing five and putting two and a half in a half hour later when she ate more. It's not perfect. This isn't going to work perfectly, but it's close enough for this scenario where she's like, look, I'm, my stomach hurts and I might not eat all of this. Yeah. So, you know. Well, and so grapes reminded me when my husband was uh, wearing the Dexcom, we, he did an accidental experiment where, you know, he had like his lunch and had grapes with it and 
you know, no major change or whatever. And then the next day he decided he was going to have just a handful of grapes with no other food. Right. And that shot his blood sugar up because they are like straight sugar, you know, and we realized like, oh, okay. So even in a non-diabetic person, like the food is basically working the same way. If you eat the simple sugars with complex carbs, it tends to kind of even them all out. Yeah. Yeah. Versus you eat straight sugar by itself, you're going to go up. (laughs) Right. The last couple of days, excuse me, Arden's after school snack has been like, it's like she's, it's like all of a sudden she's a 55 year old lady on a Sunday evening watching television. It's like crackers (laughs) and cheese and grapes and stuff like that. And, um, and I'm seeing, you know, no real impact in the beginning. And then it gets really harsh, like 45 minutes later. Yeah. You know, we just kind of adjusted a little bit how we put it in, but, um, this was really great, Kelly. Thank you for coming on and doing this. I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, I feel like I did, did. Was there anything that we didn't say that you were hoping to say? Oh, oh, I, I have. I want to find out your. Ba- so you're six months pregnant. At the beginning, yes. you said my husband doesn't know what I'm having, but I do. So please don't put <laughs> yeah. this out before that. But then we never said it. So what are you having? Yeah. So we will be doing like a gender reveal type thing in the next month or so. Cause we only have like three months to go. Right. Um, but yeah, I found out at the ultrasound cause I don't like surprises. Uh, but we are having a boy this time. So we'll have one of each and hopefully at least one without diabetes. <laughs> well. And we'll see how different that can be. It's a good hope. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, uh, well, one of each is nice. That's a congratulations. Yeah, you think he'll be excited? You. Was he, is he looking for a boy? Um, he, we were actually both really hoping for another girl. So it actually took me a minute when I found out to like process it. Cause I really wanted to be able to like reuse her clothes and, you know, have that whole like little girl experience again. But I'm, I'm happy about it now. So I'm sure he'll be happy either way. Well, don't he's forget. A, he's big on cars and stuff. So he'll love a boy. Do not forget to blame him after you tell him. Just be like, this is completely your fault. <laughs> I told <laughs> right? you I wanted another girl, and now look yeah. what you've done. Right? You control the gender here, so yeah. it's not on me. Wait a minute. I'm just growing it. <laughs> and then don't forget later uh, to tell your son how you were hoping he'd be a girl. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll be sure to remind him of that. Please, yeah, no, please I'm, never I'm excited. Do that. Alexis is super excited to be a big sister, and I think she'll be great. So. Terrific. Well, It'll good be for good. you. Congratulations. Yeah. I, let me be the Thank first one. To con- Does anyone else know besides you and I? And the doctor? Uh, yeah, a couple of our friends know, oh, but well, they've been sworn to secrecy. So. <laughs> oh, I felt like it was just me. Now that it isn't. But um, hey, maybe Scott will be a contender for the name. Wait a minute. Let's get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it anywhere near the running? It could be because it's actually my brother's middle name. Mm. So it's not 100% out of the realm of possibility. All right. I'm going to let you go, but let me explain to you how to handle this, okay? If you end up using the name because it's a family name, that's cool. But when you tell me, you don't mention that. You just right. say, absolutely. I gave the baby your name, Scott. You don't even have to Maybe say I it, named him after you. My ego won't even hear that part. Just Maybe it'll be like Scott Juicebox Meat or something. Man, don't go crazy. <laughs> like I don't want you to lose your mind. Just when you tell me, you lie to me and tell me it was for me. Absolutely. All right. I want to have a stable of Scott's by the time this is over. Yes. Arden you will. You're going to have all these babies named after That's you. what I want. Great. That's what I want. Like a little army <laughs> in case I ever need like a security force when I get older. Exactly. What would I need a security force for, by the way? Who knows? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Well, I want to thank Kelly for coming on the show, even though she did not end up naming her baby Scott. It was a pretty big letdown. I emailed her just the other day, and I said, hey, your episode's going up soon. 
Any chance that kid's name is Scott? And the answer was no. Said it was in the running. I know better, Kelly. Thanks so much to Touched by Type 1 and the Contour Next 1 blood glucose meter for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Go to contournext.com forward slash juicebox or touchedbytype1.org to learn more. There are also links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I'll see you soon.